Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today Entitles on Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we're coming back to you after another Packers victory, the third of the season, third in a row. Just like last year, we start the season 0-1, rebound to 3-1, this time with a win in overtime against the New England Patriots. Braun, how are you? Hey, Griff, I'm doing good. Another win. Uh, like you said, three in a row. A lot to discuss. Uh, one of the things that we'll have a little bit different perspective on is the fact that you were at the game, so we will get to see a little bit of your point of view from the stands, more uh, eye-in-the-sky type of stuff than the average television viewer like myself, so we'll have a little bit multiple different perspectives that'll be fun and uh obviously very excited to always talk about a win with you i was at the game and it's it's quite the different experience being at the game versus watching on tv isn't it i did rewatch the game so i have kind of both perspectives here um but you miss so much in the stands it's really it's fun being in the stands you know you're surrounded by packers fans so as i was leaving as i was getting on the bus after the game there was this vikings fan actually who was there no idea why he was there but he was talking about how the best place to to watch a football game if you want to watch it is on the couch but if you want to have fun you you got to go to the game live and that's true because it's so much fun you know you, you can't celebrate with your family quite like you can with uh, other Packer fans in the stadium, and no one's nearly as drunk either. Yeah, Griff, there's nothing quite like being at Lambeau Field, as you know, especially for a game. So, again, there's going to be a little bit different perspective. I think you getting to see some of the coverage stuff, uh, especially at the game live, you see some of those more uh, volatile plays that are happening. You see some of that stuff right away. Uh, So you get that instant reaction, and you can kind of interpret what's going on. So I'm going to be excited to talk to you all about that. And uh, what, you, what, what do you say we get right into it here with uh, the offense and, and how the offense performed in that game? The offense, the offense, the offense. A tale of two halves, right? The first half, that was really one of the ugliest performances I've seen in a long time from this offense. It was Aaron not great. Rogers, Aaron Rodgers. What was going on with Aaron Rodgers in the first half? That was the worst first half I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. You know me, and I know you, Griff. We're not one to judge Aaron quickly, you know. We're not one to yeah, no, throw blame Rodgers' way quickly, and uh, it takes a lot was, for us to blame Rodgers. Exactly right, and it, it just felt like he was missing throws. The first one I was like concerned about was, and I texted you this, and while you're at the game, the one that he missed to Lazard downfield, where it looked like it was a deep ball, and he kind of just like flicked his wrist, and he and he sailed it over Lazard, and I was thinking that looks like me trying to impersonate Aaron Rodgers. I was just like, what is that throw? <laughs> that is exactly what it looked like. Yes, I was dude. like, wow. I was like, that was that did not look right. I was it was like, ugh, that that was concerning. And that was before I mean, that's... he even started really playing badly. We've seen Aaron make those throws, and it's a dime, you know? So it's like you kind of live by it, you die by it. He gets lazy with the footwork sometimes, but he's one of the greatest of all time, so usually it's not a problem. But yeah, sometimes in the first half it was a problem because he missed on, I think, three deep balls where it's like, God, Aaron, can you step up? Can you step into this one? Um, but, you know, that's that's how he plays. But, yeah, I was definitely caught off guard when you had texted me. It, it was right after that throw to Lazard because I remember watching in the stands, and I see Lazard. He has a nice release, and my first thought is, is this going deep to Allen? And then he throws it deep to Allen, and Allen kind of got stuck on the route, I thought. I mean, it wasn't a great ball, but my first thought is, like, wow, Allen kind of got stuck on that route. And then you texted me. Uh, Rogers needs to stop flicking it. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, <laughs> how does this look on TV?" Of Bronze text to me criticizing Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly like I'm the last person to do that, especially when, you know, I we've seen how good he is and how this team would struggle if he doesn't play well. And, and when he's missing throws, even if it's like he's missing simple throws in that first half that were just like concerning. And I see why Packers fans were concerned, but they were also very, very much too quick to... People were calling for Jordan Love to come in and stuff like that, which is insane. You know, I was... I was very prepared for him to turn it around as soon as that second half even and he did that with he rebounded with one of the best halves he's played in a while I thought it was an incredible rebound he was so efficient he threw the ball with power he threw the ball with accuracy and even on the ones that didn't get caught or the ones that he just he looked like a completely different player the player we all know and love Aaron Rodgers so to me he just uh really he, he was resilient, and he was perseverant, and he did everything he could. That was very, very encouraging to see him do that and then lead us to winning that game because if he doesn't turn, like, if he doesn't turn it around, we're going to lose that game, and, and he does a great job there, and, and we were able to get the win, and, and he is just as responsible for that as anybody else. This was very reminiscent of Week 11 at Minnesota last year, a game we lost, but Rodgers in the first half, up until literally, if you remember last season, up until week 11 in the first half, Rodgers was looking in quite not as good as his MVP self. No one thought he was going to win MVP up to that point last season. And then in the second half against Minnesota, something clicked, and he finished the second half in Minnesota 10 of 11, almost 300 yards, uh, two touchdowns, no picks. And that was the case again against the Patriots, where in the second half in overtime, he finished 17 of 24, 207 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, no sacks either. So not quite as excellent against that game against, or as that game against Minnesota, but kind of same situation there where Rodgers, he said it after the game, I usually don't play two, two bad halves, which... I think, yeah, go off, King. But he's right, dude. He, if he ever has a bad first half, usually he's going to rebound, and he definitely did. I think he did more than rebound. It was almost, uh, I mean, he played like as elite as it gets. His PFF grade even finished above average with that 74. Um, and that's 74. including the pick, which was a really bad pick. And oh, when you we didn't a really even talk about that like pick. That, when you have a pick like that, your PFF grade is going to go down the toilet. So the fact that he still finished with a 74 that means that, uh, yeah, the folks at PFF really liked his performance as well. Yeah, let's talk about that pick, Griff, because that was probably his worst throw of the day, and he had a lot of bad throws in that first half. To me, oh, wow, what a, what a weird thing to see Rodgers do that right before the end of the first half, and you never see that. Rodgers is usually very protective of the football. He's not going to make those mistakes, but it seems to be the, that out route at times that kills him because he just threw that ball Lazard was not anywhere near it. I don't know if it was uh, any fault of Lazard, but the ball was just right there for the picking, no pun intended, and it was caught, and it was a pick six, and there was nothing they could do, and that was so unlike Rodgers, especially with Green Bay up, going into the going into the half, with going to get the ball to start. You're thinking they might go and get another field goal here before half, but instead Rodgers makes this very, very crucial mistake, which he never makes, so... Uh, only his fourth pick six in his career, but you know what? I, it's really not that big of a deal, obviously, because we won, and I don't expect him to throw another one of those all season, right? But uh, definitely a weird one for sure because, again, this is two games in a row now where he throws a very convicted ball that gets intercepted, and it's not like him at all. So um, you know, I don't know if that's something to worry about, an anomaly, whatever the case is, but definitely 
just a weird circumstance, I guess. I think it's definitely just a weird fluke to the start of his season because now he's throwing a pick in three of the four games. Like that's, I feel like there's no way that sustains itself. And it's not like any other aspect of his game has fallen off from the past two years. He's still just as good of a thrower of the football. So I feel like the picks are going to die down here. Three and four games is pretty wild. I'm interested if, he, if he's been on that stretch before of having a pick in three out of the four games that he's played. I don't know. That's interesting. Look up. Maybe I'll do that. Um, but I, yeah, the interception, that was, that was really, really ugly. The crowd... Dude, they just went dead quiet after that. It because it, like up until then, it felt like uh, it just felt like an ugly win, which I was expecting. You know, going into the game, especially when Brian Hoyer goes out, it's like okay, uh, I don't I don't think this defense is gonna or I don't think this offense is gonna have a whole lot of success against the Patriots defense. But you know, there's no way we're gonna lose this game because how could we? But then after that pick six, it's like oh my god, we're losing. This is weird. <laughs> and yeah, the entire yeah. crowd, man, that was just like wow. Right in the halftime on that. I'm standing in line for the bathroom. Everyone's just bummed out. Yeah, it felt like we were losing that game even before. Even though we were up 7-3, it felt like we were losing before that pick six. Just because we, we could have played so much better. We had the we had the miscues with the turnover. Um, and then, of course, that pick six really made us feel like you were losing. But it just didn't feel like we were playing the way we wanted to play. So when we're not doing that, and it's even, even, you know, even though we were ahead on the scoreboard, too close against a team on their third string quarterback you go up 7-3 it really doesn't feel like you're winning but then like we said that pick six made it feel like we had a chance to lose the game unless things turned around which they did of course and let's kind of get into that Griff that second half offense Uh, a lot of really strong accurate footballs a lot of great plays made by receivers Uh, what impressed you the most from the offense in, in that second half that's a good question so the entire game, the Patriots had been giving us man coverage, which is the same thing that Tampa Bay did last week, which is kind of, it's continuing this trend of while the rest of the league is going with the two high zone defenses, teams are playing us differently. Teams are playing us with heavy man coverage, loading up the box to stop the run, single high safety. It's kind of kind of a single high in this game for sure. Yeah. Like teams want to man up against our receivers and just threaten us to throw it or try to make us throw it. Um, and in the first half... Rodgers took his fair share of deep shots and nothing was coming, nothing was clicking. But in the second half, I feel like our receivers really started to turn around. And it feels like maybe this was the galvanizing moment of this receiving core, right? Maybe because they finally started to make plays against man coverage. Alan Lazard had a couple routes that were just really crispy. Alan Lazard looks like a much smoother route runner this year than he has in his entire career. I feel like he's really picked up on some of the nuances that maybe he saw from uh, Devontae. But uh, Romeo Dobbs, we saw him. He runs right by that guy on the 40-yard touchdown that he dropped. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. The back shoulder fade. Rodgers doesn't throw back shoulder fades to just anybody, right? Like, that that was a big deal, him throwing that ball. And it was a great play by him, too. So I guess the biggest takeaway from the second half success would be that our receivers were finally able to respond against man coverage. The great moment was that both those rookie receivers got their Lambeau leaps in, which was really cool. Uh, To see both those guys catch a touchdown in this game, that shows you how important they're going to be not only right now, but down the line this season. And their their success and and how they develop is going to be very integral to how we develop as a team and, and what we look like going into the playoffs. Because people are talking about right now we don't have the receivers, we don't have the weapons, whatever. But if these guys develop into players that are catching touchdown passes on a weekly basis, catching multiple passes, balls, if, if Christian Watson can get more involved in the passing offense, 
that's going to be a real issue because then we're going to be looking at, wow, we have Alan Lazard who's been so reliable and he's played really well in these three games that he's been active. Randall Cobb has been the best slot receiver in football. I'm kind of joking, but not really. Like he's that Dude, he's good. been good. He's been, he's been really been good. so good. And um, just the way those guys are playing, the veterans there. Sammy Watkins had a really strong first week. So you're very excited about this group now because – they're very deep. These five guys can all play at a really high level, and that's something we haven't had in a really long time. So, no, we don't have Devontae Adams, but we do have five guys that can play really well and have shown that they can be enough for us, and that only will improve as those young guys kind of continue to exponentially grow as these games go on. They do more, they learn more, and they're going to grow more as well. I think it's fair to say that this was the best offensive performance that we've seen this season. Um, that's true if you just look at the numbers. Um, we, we saw a lot of success on the ground, which was really pleasant to see against a, a Bill Belichick coach defense, which I don't care who their personnel is. It's not easy to run against Bill Belichick. Um, but we and saw you know a lot of success on the ground. Stop Aaron Jones. You know yeah, they're right. trying to stop Aaron They Jones, were in base so. defense nearly the entire game. Like I said, they were loading the box up. You know, they were trying to stop the run game. And it looked a lot like how it did against Chicago, where we were just creating lanes with the offensive line. And that is really, that's kind of where the game is won in the trenches. Griff, one thing I, I thought was interesting, uh, a little bit of a, a tendency breaker from Rodgers. At one point in this game, he points out single high to the offense. He says, single high and then he completes a pass downfield. And then a little bit later in the game, this was either the third or fourth quarter, he points out again, single high, and then he hands it off to Aaron Jones, and Aaron Jones runs up the gut for 10. And it was just like, man, that's the kind of thing you love to see when Rodgers is using those little things like that. And this is how, what makes him so great, using a little thing like that, something that'll just kind of make the defense pause a little bit. And he points that single high out, but in reality, he's not going to throw the football, even though that's the advantageous look from that from that defensive uh, alignment. So, just that's another little thing that it, I'm not like you watching the game from the stands wouldn't be able to pick that up. But you, obviously, when you went and watched it back, I'm not sure if you saw that, but that's something I did not you, see that. No, yeah, that's so that's, I did that's not a catch. little thing. Little thing you can see, like that, just that makes you so confident in him and this offense and the way he leads, and that's what I mean. That second half, you just they just really changed things up in the fact that they were running the football a lot better. Rodgers was connecting with the receivers, and it just all started to come together. And we have to start playing more like this in both halves, obviously. But very, very exciting to see them bring it all together when it mattered most. And let's talk about that. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, Griff, that Romeo Dobbs drop. I, I say that with quotation marks. Is that a drop? I feel like it is I a have drop. A, well, I don't know, right? I have qualms with the rule. By the rule book, I guess that is <laughs> that is a drop, right? Or that is a, an incomplete pass, however you want to phrase it. Matt LaFleur called it a drop because you need to survive the ground. But to me... What is this rule, okay? Because the idea should be... Everybody, I don't know if anybody remembers the Jordy Nelson touchdown where he caught the ball, gets two feet in, and then the ball gets popped out of his hands. But they review it. It was challenged, whatever. Or automatic review, but everybody was thinking, oh, it's a drop because the ball popped out. No. Jordy catches the ball. It's popped out of his hands, but he gets his two feet down first. So after that, the play is over, and it was called a touchdown because he caught the ball and got two feet in the end zone, and that's it. It's a touchdown. 
And even though the ball was popped out after, that didn't change the fact that once the ball is caught with two feet down in the end zone, that's a touchdown. And to me, this should be the same thing. I don't see why he should have to have the ball falling to the ground after the play should be theoretically over because he's already caught the ball with two feet in the end zone. To me, that should end the play. That should be a touchdown. He's gotten two feet in, and the, the ball is caught, and he's crossed the plane, right? All of that. Everything is satisfied. Why should he have to now continue the play after he's already scored just to see if he loses the ball when it hits the ground? That's something you would do inbounds. I understand that. But when, when you're in the end zone, that makes no sense to me because that defies everything about getting two feet in, crossing the plane, and catching the football because now that's not a catch. That is, that, that's, that's something whole, totally different. That's a whole different conversation to me. Yeah, I think you should send a kindly worded letter to Roger Goodell because I think he just made your case. I mean, you're right, dude, but I don't know. In the stands, it was so weird because, you know, I really can't see, like, what's going on. I don't have Tony Romo telling me what he sees. Uh, it's quite different, and everyone around me think, is thinking touchdown, just like Aaron and Bach did when they were celebrating, just like Christian Watson was before he turned around, and Romeo. Uh, so I was kind of in that boat where I was like, wait, are they really calling this incomplete? Why is Pat O'Donnell on the field? And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I, what is the rule? I don't even know, dude. If it looks like a catch, call it a catch. Can we do that? I know it's a little bit more complicated than that. But, yeah, he, he gets two steps in the end zone, going to the ground. That's the key, right? That's the key. you got to survive no, the catch through yeah, the ground. Yeah, I guess so. That's but when the, you're in the, the end key. zone, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you're in the end zone, like, come on, man. He's got possession, right? Two steps? Oh, he Ugh. had it, dude. That's like quite he annoying. caught the ball, brought it in, takes two steps, and now all of a sudden you're telling me he's got to bring it to the ground or like whatever. Like the play should be over. That's it. Play is over. I know, man. I know. I know. Yeah, this is kind of how Cowboys fans felt after the. Uh, no, the playoff that's game, right? different. If this happened that's different? outside, yes. If this happened outside of the end zone, I would say it's a drop. That's a drop. But this is a totally different ball game to me. He catches the yeah. football. He brings it in. He takes two steps, two feet in, ball in his hands, the play is over. Whatever happens after that shouldn't matter. That should end the play. That should end the play. Yeah, it's really annoying, and that's what I thought watching live. But uh, that's a play that Romeo's got to make. That's a play that Romeo he also had a fumble. In my opinion, I feel like he made the play. In my opinion, too. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be included in my in my Romeo Dobbs highlight reel at the end of the season. I don't care if it came out at the end of the play but um yeah, he also had a, he had a fumble second offensive play had a fumble that sucked yeah um yeah i mean we're at the point now where we can make a pretty decent sized compilation of mistakes made by <laughs> him and christian watson with right? that with I that mean, music yeah we're at that point where if you include if you think about things like the the christian watson drop the 75 yarder first play of the season i forgot about that until recently um, Dobbs had a fumble last week on his first catch, but he recovered it. But that could have gone very badly. Dobbs has had a couple drops. This the snap while uh, against Chicago, while Watson's in motion, and then I I don't know if this is on Josh Myers maybe, but it hits him on the side and it's a fumble. Yeah. A lot of things have gone how about wrong the with one these guys. Where, how about the one where it hit Romeo in the back of the head or whatever? Where the, the quick screen where Romeo didn't have his head turned. That was another one. Mm, yeah, yeah. That, oh yes, Christian had one of those week one too. I remember that. Um, yeah, that's what happens when you when you're relying on second and fourth round receivers to uh, lead lead your group of receivers, right? But yeah, well, the sooner yeah, they they're, get these they're kids growing up out, quick. The they're growing up quick out here. Exactly. Yeah, it's week four, and they've 
they scored touchdowns in a major football game that went. To yeah, overtime. Dobbs had two touchdowns. In our minds, yeah. In our minds, yeah. <laughs> that game, see, it's so funny. That game should not have been that close. Really, like I don't feel bad. Some people no, probably dude, feel bad. People, people probably feel bad about the win. Like a lot of fans, like, uh, we won, but we have all these issues. To me, like we were very close to winning that game by double digits, multiple scores. And people talk about, oh, you, you know, the Packers only beat a third-string quarterback by three points. It's like, well, there was a lot more to it. I mean, the referees couldn't figure out whether to call a penalty on the offense or the defense. They missed that. They missed terrible. We'll get into some of the ones specifically, but some terrible missed calls. The uh, delay of game. Oh my god, that was way worse than last week. And last week was pretty bad. Yeah. Sorry. Continue, Ron. <laughs> yeah, that was. I didn't want to get into the specifics there because we can have a whole conversation about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was about that was about three seconds. Before. That was one of the most ridiculous things I've seen in my life. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? What are you even watching if you're not looking at the play clock? Right there, yeah, man. I don't Come know. On. I guess they just were admiring Bailey Zappi's footwork in the pocket. I don't know what else. <laughs> <laughs> they literally it reset back to forty. That's how long he took. Yeah, maybe they thought they had more. Maybe they just missed the first two seconds, and then when they saw it was forty, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> he's got forty, 40. seconds left. Wow. Oh, he's got forty Come seconds. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it, but that guy was. Pretty terrible. I don't even want to. I don't know his name. I don't want to know his name. I hope he never referees another Packers game again, because (laughs) that was bad. How many times he did at least twice where he called a penalty on the offense and it was on the defense. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That must have been terrible. He called ninety-seven on the Patriots offense. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think the Patriots offense has a ninety-seven. And he says it in such a condescending way. It's so annoying. Penalty number ninety-seven. Offense. It's like, ugh, like <laughs> just the tone of his voice started to make me mad. But yeah, this season, it's a it's a strange season for the Packers. It's like it's a strange we're so for close the NFL. for the NFL. Yeah, but it's like we're so close to being four and zero, and the last three weeks just being really dominant wins. But we're also pretty pretty close to being one and three. So I'm hoping that we've been saying it every single week here, man, but I'm hoping that eventually these, these things are just going to stop going wrong. I mean, this is a lot like, do you remember in 2019 after the week four Thursday night game against the Eagles, Devonte said, we're three and we're three and one and we haven't played our best ball yet. That's kind of what the same situation is here, except in 2019, that Eagles game would actually be one of their most productive games on offense of that season. So, um, yeah, that that quote didn't really age well, but it's kind of the same thing here where we're 3-1 and one and there's so much room to improve offensively and defensively. Offensively, we're just waiting on these guys to grow up a little bit, and week by week, it's happening. Rodgers is calling Romeo Dobbs Romes. I don't know when that started, but he only gives receivers that he likes nicknames. So, Romes, I'm all for that. He called Christian Watson Seawatt. Yeah, Seawatt, that's a, that's a bit too easy for me. I need something like Bobby for Robert Tunyon. Romes? I mean, that's like, how, how easy does it get there? <laughs> Romes? I don't know. I wouldn't think Romes. Romes. I like Romes, though. He has such a great name, Romeo. Like, you just... I don't know. I wouldn't guy. Well, Matt LaFleur called him Rome. See, Rome? I kind of like that, too. Rome? Romes? I've been saying it for years now. We have some of the best names on the same roster in the NFL. Like, all these guys that we've added this year, too. We've got Romeo Dobbs, Kingsley Enigbar. Are you kidding me? Quay Walker? It just Quake. never stops. Quake. Yeah. That's my nickname for him, Quake. Yeah, I know that. Um, I, I actually stole that on one of my captions last week. Did Are you, you see? serious? I used Earthquake, yeah. Oh, come on, but, dude. <laughs> I honestly couldn't remember if that was the one you came up with or if you came up with a different one. 
But yeah, I did use Earthquake. Oh, or, wow. I think it said Earthquake, actually, so... Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're so close to being a really dominant team, a team that we would all feel be- better about right now. We haven't won the turnover battle in any game this season. When when have the Packers gone Whoa, four straight games is that true? without? That's true. That's, that's true. Insane. Weeks one and two, we lost the turnover battle. Last week, we tied with the Buccaneers. I think two each. Um, and then against the Patriots, we lost the turnover battle. So when's the last time the Packers went four games in a row without winning the turnover battle? Like, that doesn't happen. And I know it's we sound like broken records here, and Devondre Campbell keeps missing tackles, so my point about that coming to a stop, that hasn't ranked true yet. But I feel like this kind of stuff just has to come to an end eventually, and we're going to stop turning the ball over. We're going to create more turnovers on defense. Just, I feel like this stuff is going to happen, and we're 3-1, and one, and we haven't played our best football. Right, Devontae? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I, you know what's funny? I feel like we aren't getting enough interceptions on defense, and Rodgers is obviously, like you said, thrown three in the four games we've played. A little uncharacteristic for this team, I feel like, all around, those two things. I don't see how Rodgers is going to continue to throw interceptions. That just doesn't happen. He's not going to do not. that. No, he's I'm not. not do you think he's going to throw 10 picks this year? I feel like there's no way that happens. I don't see that at all. Nine might be a realistic number, but I don't think he throws double digits. It just doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I don't think so. How, how is he going to do that? That that means he's struggling, which I don't see. I feel like he's yeah, throwing exactly. the ball accurately. Take out, take out that first half. I feel like he's been magnificent this year in terms of accuracy, power, just everything he's done to me. He looks just like the MVP that we've seen these past two years. I don't see any drop-off at all, which is a great thing, especially with the the younger guys at receiver and, and all of that. Um, so I'm not concerned about him in the slightest. But the defense, I think we expected more turnovers produced, especially with this group of all-stars that we've got. This really is an all-star cast uh, on that side of the ball, and, and you'd like to think they'd make a, a few more splash plays. Rashawn Gary is, is one of those guys that's making a lot of big plays for us, but... Other than that, we need more, uh, I would say, game-changing plays on that side of the ball to alter that kind of turnover battle thing that we've usually... You, you go back to every winning year we've had with Matt LaFleur. That's been our biggest thing. 2019, it was a huge reason why we won. 2020, not as much. 2021, that came back a little bit. And uh, now this year, I think we're going to have to turn that around pretty soon here. It's definitely not too late, but it's going to be crucial that we do so. Yeah, Roger said at his, pre- at his press conference that this way of winning he doesn't think is sustainable and I would tend to agree with that one score games those are really tough to win consistently so um, a few adjustments that could be made here Elton Jenkins let's talk about Elton Jenkins here I've seen a lot of folks discussing Elton Jenkins man dude I haven't wanted to talk about it but yeah he he has not looked great I mean he he looks better than Royce Newman did at right tackle so would you yeah, wow. But I feel like Elton is such a good offensive guard that we're we're losing value by making him play right tackle where he's not that much better than a guy like Royce Newman. He is better, but he's not oh, that much yeah. better where I think, I think he's he such a good I think guard. He is. I think he's very good. I think he's the second best tackle on this team. I think that's true. Yeah. Um Can you name a better tackle than yeah. him on this team? I mean, Yash, I don't know how I feel about Yash. I really don't. Yash is such I a feel like such a wild card. Yash is a good is a feel good story, but I feel like he's a very average player, which is more than you can ask for for a backup. What feels left good tackle. about his story, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, undrafted <laughs> free agent. 
<laughs> We've got enough of those, man. I don't need any more feel good stories. We're trying to win Super Bowls okay, here. I'm what not, I'm saying is, I'm I, not I, trying to win people's hearts. I like Yash, okay? I, I do like yeah, Yash. Yeah, I like Yash. For him. And he's played really well in Bakhtiari's absence, but um, yeah, I, Elton's probably better at tackle than, than Yash is at what tackle. Is, you say he's played really well? That's a stretch. Why are we going Riff. at Yash here, man? I'm not going at Yash. I just think that. I think Elton. I think he deserves a little bit of slack. He hasn't been good. I think he's been pretty bad, actually. He looked lethargic on some of those. Uh, he was going up against Matthew Judon, to be fair, and he's very, very good. But he just looked slow. And I, he's coming off an ACL tear, and he's back for what? This is his third game, second game, whatever. He's just coming back. It's going to take some time. He was very, very good when, when he was healthy last year. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, I, we just have to give it a little bit more time. I, I don't mind the idea of like moving him over I just but I don't want to like end that experiment yet I, I think he's a great right tackle for us and to be able to have those two guys I don't think Yash is reliable enough to just be like make that change and be happy with it I don't know maybe maybe you disagree I I don't I don't know exactly what we should do at that spot um, but maybe our best five has, has Yash in it that's a possibility it is tough to say though I'm not sure if it's going to be any different. Or the, the good thing would be if you have David and Elton on that left side. That's pretty much locked down. But then the right side has it lacks a lot of experience and a lot of security. I feel like you don't feel as secure about that entire right side because even if you include Josh in that, you you look at Josh. You go. I guess Runyon would be at the right guard spot now, and then Yash. That's a lot of inexperience. A lot of uh, at times average play stringing across the right side a lot of a lack of dependability too I'm, I'm just not sure that I feel great about having that that group of three on an island by itself I don't know if I would if I were to move Elton I don't know if I'd put him at left guard or right guard because I get it he's you never played Elton. right guard in the regular season that would be I think he's never played right guard in the regular season he played in that preseason. True? that's a true fact yeah he's never played in the wow. regular season. he played in preseason of his rookie year Never played right guard in this league. So, technically, maybe I don't know what else they'd do. Well, I'd rather take Royce off the field than Runyon. And putting Runyon at right guard, I can't imagine that's as easy as a switch as it sounds. Well, then what are they? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't think Royce Newman's in their best five. I don't think so either. So They're going to have if... to move. So, somebody's moving. I think Elton at left guard is the natural way to go. But if they moved out in the right, that would be something he's never done. That's the only difference. They, he could do it. I mean, he played right tackle. I'm sure he could play right guard, right? But, I mean, it's, it's just another moving part. Like, I, maybe they don't. Maybe they do what you said because it's it's less moving parts if they do it the way you, you're saying it. But I'm not sure exactly what they'd do. That's that's the thing. What's the right combination? Yeah, LaFleur did say today that he was they were going to look at playing Yash at right tackle, so... We'll see how that goes. I can't imagine any changes are imminent, but I don't know. If Elton continues to play poorly, then maybe they are actually going to have to think about something. But like I said, it hasn't been something that I've wanted to talk about. But these past two games against Chicago, he really wasn't that good, but it's his first game back. What can you do? Against Tampa Bay, he gave up some pressures too. And in this game, I think it was his worst of the season so far. Out of three games, he gave up three pressures. No other offensive lineman on this team gave up more than one pressure. A lot of that was uh, Matthew Judon. I think all three, I want to say, were to Matthew Judon. So Yeah, um, he had a good game. He did have a really good game against Elton. I love Elton, man. I think he's one of the best players on this team, so it really sucks to say, but 
I don't know, maybe maybe we try Zach Tom, right? At right tackle? Maybe that's a possibility. And move who to and move Elton where? Right guard. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That I mean, yeah. I don't know. Well, then where the, where's the Osh It's a possibility, go? man. They've got a they've got a lot of possibilities on this offensive line. Yeah. And I, I feel mean, like this is not the best possible group. Elton just needs a little more time, I think. I don't know if that's I, I feel like that's not unfair. It, it, I think we need to give him No, more that's time. definitely fair. That's definitely fair. And that's what they're probably going to do, too. Yeah. I, I he's just such a good player. Like there was we forget how not we don't, I don't think, but people do forget how he wasn't allowing pressures for a consistent period of time. He hadn't allowed a sack for like the entire season. I mean, there were things that he was doing in 2020 and 2021 that were marvelous, really. So I think he's going to be able to get back to that. And I, I'm not I'm not giving up on him yet, that's for sure, obviously. I, I just think he's too good of a player. But he's just getting back to it, like the practicing and everything. It's like he's got to get back in the routine. It's he, I think he'll find it, though. Physically is the most probably the most difficult part because it's all about when you tear your ACL and you're not moving on it for a long period of time and not playing football, he has to just get his legs underneath him a little bit more. I feel like he's probably playing a little bit more passive because he doesn't want to re-injure something. That's what happens. You, you start to play a little bit more passive, but it, when he feels like he can really get a little more ferocious, get his legs underneath him, move well athletically, that's when he'll start to kind of play like himself again, I think, and that's just going to take more time, more reps, and more evidence that he's not going to re-injure this knee. That's what will give him the confidence to feel like he can go out there and, and be dominant again. Yeah, and this is these are kind of like first-world problems here because the pass protection on Sunday really wasn't even that bad. The run blocking was pretty good, um, so it's it's really not that big of a deal. It's just that's one of the reasons that a few of our drives stalled, right? It was Elton Jenkins giving up pressure, so I don't know. Maybe they play around with that. Maybe they don't. Maybe they give him a couple more weeks, which I presume they will. A um, couple more notes here before we move on to the defense. Braun, the Packers have only scored 75 points through four weeks this season. That is their lowest figure since 2006 through four weeks. Yeah, not a lot of points are being scored on offense here. I feel like that's been sort of universal across the league. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I just the feel that I have based on these four weeks of football, it feels like even these really good offenses, you look at teams like Tampa Bay, the Rams, it's not putting up points like we did, as you know, especially in this NFC. It just doesn't feel like we're putting up that same points that uh, we did. Yeah, the scoring is down league-wide. Yeah, scoring I mean, Buffalo's down. scoring pretty well. I think, uh, I think Kansas City's really putting points up. But other than those two teams, it's like... And they've had of, their games where they don't. So. I mean, another another point that I think will probably actually really solidify what I'm saying is that the Detroit Lions lead the league in scoring. It's a weird world we're living in. So, yeah. But that, so that, I think, should put a little bit in perspective. Like, it's it's just been a weird four weeks. This feels like it's going to be another weird season like last season. Last season... Last season we, was weird. We talked we, about it all year long, how there was yeah. no real contender like no one good contender. teams no good teams no good teams year. now no there's good no good offenses again, it feels like no good offenses yeah. this year no so no good quarterbacks like who's been the best no quarterback good quarterbacks this uh geno smith Josh according Allen. to pff yeah geno's been nice geno has been but, the highest graded quarterback according to pff so yeah that it's wow the Lions have the number one scoring offense, and Geno Smith is the best quarterback in the league. And that's what I predicted going into the season, so. <laughs> you were right, dude. <laughs> I thought you were crazy. Uh, and I okay. and I said, uh, too, Bailey Zappi was going to beat us in Lambeau. I got that one wrong. 
You that one almost hit though. That one. That almost, almost hit. got I mean, that. We one. called you a nope. wizard for that yeah. one. So the running game was a, a success. Aaron Jones had another really nice game, a lot like his game against Chicago in Week Two. This guy is averaging four point four two yards after contact per attempt, which is oh second in the NFL gosh. right now. There are like, guys that aren't even f- averaging that per rush, and he's doing it after know. contact. Are you kidding yes. me? Is there a guy who is better at falling forward when nope. he's being tackled than Aaron nope. Jones? It's like he'll be stumbling for seven yards on a play before he actually goes down. Like I, I love this man so much. He's the best in the so league much. at everything. He's the best running back in football, and I'm not even kidding. Like he is that good. And the Packers, in a lot of ways, they're still trying to find their identity. And uh, one of the wrinkles that they've been really trying to add to their offense this year is having Jones and Dylan on the field at the same time, which we've seen a lot of in every single game this season. Um, that offensive package really has not been all that efficient this season. I think they're. I read an article about it this earlier this week coming into the game, and I think they were averaging like just over three yards per play. With that, with that package in, teams are covering it really well. And it's frustrating because it's like every single time we have that offense on the field, it's like the same RPO that we run of one of the running backs running to the side, one of them taking the handoff. And it's an RPO, and it goes for like two or three yards. It feels like that happens every single time we're in that formation with uh, Jones and Dylan on the field. So after the Week 2 win against Chicago, Rodgers is at the podium saying that we're just scratching the surface with what we can do with these two. And it's like, okay, when are we going to break through that surface? You know, maybe they're doing a thing where they just want to put enough of the same thing on tape so that when they really need to pull the counter to this out of their pocket, it's really going to hit and it's really going to hurt the defense. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're doing. Otherwise, Matt LaFleur, what are we doing here, buddy? Because this is a thing that they're really trying to hammer in on this year. This formation, we're running it so much. We're running the same RPO so much, and it just never works. So I'm like waiting for the wrinkle. I'm waiting for the wrinkle to the wrinkle. Yeah, my thing with that is if you're going to have the two running backs on the field, I think I would say like probably four times out of five, I would like Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon split out wide and have the other next to Rodgers or whatever the case is. I just, if you're going to, Matt LaFleur's thing with this, the reason why he's hammering this down so much is because, and I'm sure Rodgers is part of that discussion too, but I think they just want the best 11 guys on the field as much as possible. I think that's pretty obvious that those two would be included in that. Um, And they're both very versatile in terms of being able to catch the football. We saw that on Sunday. Both of those guys were successful in that area. So I I get it. I understand what they want to do and and why it's important because it does create some variability and uh, some complexity within what they're trying to do. But if they're running those same concepts, it's it's going to become predictable and, and easy to stop. And it has been just because I think they're lacking the variability that it needs to have those positive plays. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up with the offense. They're going to get better. Um, I'm going to hope that this was a lot like the Week 11 game in Minnesota last year where the second-half performance kind of turns our entire season around offensively. Uh, the second half, they went touchdown, field goal, touchdown. They had a punt, which was off of the dropped Romeo touchdown, or the drop, not a drop, whatever. Then we went end of half. We punted on in overtime. That was our first real drive in the second half that I would call unsuccessful and then we ended with the game-winning field goal so it was really a a lot of good in the second half half for the offense but let's talk about the defense now because the defense most of the game once again most of the game was really really good the Patriots really weren't moving the ball all that well but it's like this defense it's every game this season they're due for like two drives where things just get freaky Usually one of (laughs) usually one of those is the opening drive and that's actually been the case every week so 
Right, yeah. So, of course, we give up a field goal on the opening drive because just, of course, that's what this defense does. Griff, then, it's so funny. It's so funny because this happened last year, too, and this is when the conversation started. Maybe we just need to start taking the ball instead of deferring to the second half. And, like, the, it's a lot of similar things to last year. It's so weird. We lose big in week one. The defense is struggling on the opening drive. It's, like, all these different things. Like, it's very, very weird. Yeah, I'm pretty sure every game this season the – defense has been out on the field first and every game this season they've definitely given up points on the opening drive so yeah I don't know whatever it's not even that big of a deal they kick a field goal I don't even get stressed when they kick a field goal because it's I just know that that's not going to be able to continue is it because of the scripted plays does every offense just come in with a script and we don't have a script defensively I have no idea I never will but the Patriots, they had a lot of success in the, the running game. They had 33 carries, 5.1 yards per carry. Um, that's that's not how a lot of teams are going to attack us, I don't think. I think New England is a pretty unique offense. I mean, they're, they're built so, so weirdly. They've got Matt Patricia calling plays. They're, they're, first of all, they had their third-string quarterback in. They don't have any real premier pass catchers. They just, last spring, they paid two tight ends $10 million. Like, this offense... It's a really weird offense. They had a sixth lineman in for like most of the game. Like, it's such a weird offense, and I don't think they're. I don't think that a lot of teams are going to attack us like how New England did because every time they tried to throw it, things did not go well. Except on the two, the two plays, the one touchdown, which was the delay game that we talked about, shouldn't have even been a play. But that was just. It looked like a coverage bust to me because you've got Devondre and Keyshawn both pointing to the same side of the field. I don't know. I don't know who messed up there, but it looked like a miscommunication to me. And then the other one was just mad coverage after they'd run it like eight plays in a row and the linebackers just got sucked up and they hit on, they hit on another crossing route. So, um, But outside of those, I mean, it's just I, I didn't see anything in this game that really worried me about the defense. To me, New England at times was playing bully ball and we were the kid without lunch money on, on a Wednesday afternoon. So, <laughs> I mean, I just felt like they were pushing us around in the run game with Ramondre Stevenson. Like you said, they were pulling big personnel out there, but man, they were pushing us around for these runs. Like, especially in that first drive, it felt like we couldn't stop a nosebleed. So, uh, I, I just, man, like, we got it really tightened up in the run game. I, I swear. I think all four of these games, I've been watching this defense get run on quite a bit. And,. I get the, the scenarios and circumstances are different in each game. Some of those games you're going to let the team run on you to keep the clock running and we have a big lead, whatever the case is. But, man, like I, I just think that we need to start uh, figuring out what's going on in the, on that on that front in terms of defending. And Ramondre Stevenson and, and Damian Harris and those guys, like you said, they brought in Marcus Cannon, who's coming off an injury. Good offensive lineman, but they brought that sixth guy out there and you know he's not going to catch any passes. Still had trouble defending the run, even with Kenny Clark up in the middle and a lot a lot to like on our defense. Just surprising how we've been pretty not great at stopping the run so far through four games. Yeah, I don't even know if that's like, I mean, statistically, we're towards the bottom of the league defending the run. But week two, Chicago had like one really good uh, drive where they ran the ball right at us. They had like over 100 yards on the ground on one drive. Um, and then this game. But against Chicago, that was more of, it was in the second half, they were down big, we had nickel, dime personnel on the field for the entire drive, we were wanting them to run on us because, 
I mean, Justin Fields can't throw. We're kind of daring him to throw. This game, it was pretty different. We played a lot of base defense, a lot of a lot of defensive looks with three defensive linemen. We were kind of prepared to stop the run, but yeah, it was a lot like bully ball from New England's end, but they're just really good at that. That's their, that's their offensive identity. I know you love identity, Ron. That's what they do well. They just, they push people around. Matt Patricia is their offensive play caller. What is going on with that team? I don't know. But either way, I mean, I'm not real concerned about that because I can't imagine a a team like this playing us how New England did in this game. But I, I guess the biggest takeaway would be that it is a little bit concerning that we were playing base defense and we're still getting ran on like we did. This was, we had two back-to-back drives in the second half where they went touchdown, touchdown. Everything outside of that was just trash. I mean, they finished the game with 3-3 and outs. The defense stepped up when they had to. But those two drives in the second half, the back-to-back touchdowns, those were like, wow. Yeah, that, that was the most bully ball that it got on Sunday. And it made you think that maybe... Uh, maybe it's time to get Devontae White on the field a little bit more because I don't know about Jaron Reed. I don't know about Dean Lowry because, God, man, they look bad out there sometimes. Yeah, Dean has not, to me, had a good year at all. He does not show up. Uh, he's had a couple nice reps rushing the passer. But that's you know, what he's, he's gotten into the quarterback's lap a few times. I mean, these yeah. guys, yeah, they're going to have, a, like, Jonathan Garvin we talked about earlier had a good rep. Like, everybody's going to have a good rep once in a while. <laughs> Everyone like, gets their good rep. Yeah, everybody gets a good rep once in a while. You ever, I mean, like, you, you got to be consistent, especially when you're talking about defending the run. I think Devontae Wyatt would provide a big spark for us if he played a little more consistently, which I think he'll eventually start doing. But Jaron Reed I do like. I think he's pretty good as a presence in the run game, and he can definitely get to the quarterback too. But we got to get better up front. I just It's surprising because we went to the year thinking that was our strongest group. Probably when you talk about those those front three, and it just I feel like we need to be we need to be better defending the run. I think the the linebackers are going to be a part of that conversation as well. But um, I, even though we've talked about a little bit Devondre missing tackles, I still feel like he is a dominant presence out there. You know, even when he's not playing like all pro level football at all times, I think he is. Uh, extremely, extremely valuable to what we do. And he, he just does so many things that you don't even account for on the stat sheet. So, um, and, and I think Quay is doing a lot of great things as well, kind of feeding off off Dre. So I love those two. I love what those two are doing. And then uh, th- I think the edge rushers are playing phenomenal ball. Preston looks great. Rashawn looks like the defensive player of the year right now. So to me, I'm, I'm excited about the defense. We, we have some injuries on the back end, which we'll probably talk about in a, in a little bit, Griff, but um, I do love where this group is at, and I think as we keep progressing, it'll get better and better. Uh, a lot to learn from in this game, especially when you talk about the way that New England was able to run on us with that, with that first drive, and we were a little bit late to getting adjusted, but again, I think we're going to be ready next time something like that occurs. And hopefully we're better as well. The way I feel about the defense right now is that I think I think they're really good. I think it's a really good defense, but the th- the only thing lacking would be the run defense because we've seen they're kind of vulnerable there at times. But I still think they can be a really really good defense. But if they want to be a great elite defense, which is what a lot of us were hoping for this season, then I think they just have to have number ninety five develop pretty quickly here and uh, be able to play a little bit more often than he has this season because if we can get him to play at a high level next to Kenny Clark our nickel defense is going to be really nice in terms of pass rush Um, and then base defense is going to be a lot better too when we've got probably 
Dean Lowry, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark on the field. Jaron Reed, I mean, he's been serviceable for a late round free agent or late stage free agent. Um, but yeah, he hasn't been anything really special. I'd prefer him as a depth player. But uh, yeah, let's talk about that, that one Rudy Ford, right? Rudy Ford comes in the game after the opening drive. Adrian Amos goes out with a concussion. Back-to-back weeks now, we've had a guy, a starter in the secondary, go out on the opening drive with an injury. Last week was Jair Alexander. Keyshawn Nixon comes in for him, plays really well. Um, this week, Amos goes down and Rudy Ford comes in. And I thought he played even better this week than uh, Keyshawn Nixon did last week. So that was really promising. He tackles really well. I mean, he had six solo tackles, one assisted tackle per PFF, no missed tackles, just like Keyshawn did last week. That was the best thing he did. He just tackled really, really well. And that's what we get for bringing in special teamers, man. This is the Rich Bisaccia effect. We're bringing in these special teamers. They end up being nice depth pieces on defense, and they know how to tackle. Even Rasul Douglas. He was a primary special teams guy for a lot of his career in Philadelphia and Carolina, and he's one of the best tacklers on this team. Same thing with Devondre. He played a lot of special teams in Atlanta and Arizona. So when we bring in these special teams guys, what do you know? They know how to tackle. And we've seen a lot of bad tackling this year from the defense, but Rudy Ford... Nice presence there, I'd say. Yeah, Griff, you're right. I think that is one of the benefits of having a revamped special teams unit with guys who know how to tackle. When they go in on defense, they're not going to have that uh, that drop-off tackling. And we've seen it now, in like you said, in back-to-back games. I thought Rudy Ford was really impressive. He jumped out pretty quickly when he came into the game. Uh, his coverage was solid. He made a couple splash plays. Like you said, some of those tackles, he almost had an interception. Uh, I was impressed with him for sure. He he. The one thing I would say though about uh, about those guys coming in and playing significant minutes on defense is the special teams drop off was very real. When you talk about the punt coverage and the kick coverage, those things were very real. Uh, so I, I would like to see them hopefully you know back on special teams when we get back on the bench. Healthy. Yeah, get them back on the bench because we need them. <laughs> basically <laughs> we so, need them on the bench yeah because they, they're so good at what they do it's it we need our guys healthy because i thought amos was playing a really solid game before he went out and then jair we know what he can do once we get our defense back to full strength we can get those guys who we now know are going to be really solid for us if we need them uh hopefully we can get those guys kind of back onto what they do best which is special teams and keep winning that field position battle that's so crucial to some of these games that we've won yeah i i do think it's really impressive that ford and nixon are able to come in and just play really serviceable at worst is what i said last week and that's what they were you know in the past defense they gave up a couple big plays the crossing routes i mentioned blown coverage man coverage uh, Rasul gave up a catch in the first half. Stokes gave up a catch in the second half, I think. I mean, those things are going to happen, especially when you're playing a team that's running it down your throat like the Patriots were. Those things are going to happen, so I'm not really concerned about that. Once we get John Money back, man, this cornerback group is going to be good. I'm hoping that there was just a precautionary move keeping him out of this game, right? I mean, the yeah, groin injury. Yeah, it definitely was. Definitely. Those can linger. The groin injuries can linger. Yeah, all it takes is. I, I'm, I'm sure it was, in my opinion, this is obviously with no inside information but I think you're not a doctor no I'm not but I am going to give you my expert opinion anyway I think that it was probably a very small tweak that he had where you feel it like you know when you did it and you know it's dangerous so like that was something he was very cognizant of so I'm I'm sure they're just playing it very very safe with that because like you said those can come back linger I think they're just gonna gonna let him fully heal and he'll probably be back this week if I had to guess he probably could have played 
And if he, you know, if he doesn't tweak it, that's the only concern is you kind of re-injure it or, or keep it around, extend that, you know, have like almost a setback, I guess. And to let it fully heal is probably the smart thing to do. And two weeks is certainly enough time, I'd think so. Um, again, that's all speculation, but I've, I've, you know, you you deal with things like that, and uh, that's kind of the the standard stuff. And I'm sure he'll be okay. Um, but like I said, they're very extra cautious, and hopefully he'll be good for this week because we're going to want him back as soon as possible for sure. Yeah, I really don't have too much to say about this defense. I thought they played about just as I expected them to. Maybe maybe a little bit worse than I expected them to, but, I mean, they allowed 17 points against Bailey Zappi. Yeah, you probably expect them to play a little bit better. You probably expect them to play a little bit better on the ground, but at the end of the day, they came up clutch when they needed to. Uh, Rashawn Gary, actually. Forgot about <laughs> Mr. Rashawn Gary. What a year he's having, dude. God, it's crazy. Is he the best pass rusher we've had since Clay Matthews? I feel like I feel like he's having a better season than 2019's Darius Smith. He had a 93.4 PFF grade on Sunday. That was his, the highest of his career. He has five sacks on the season. That's tied for second in the NFL behind Alex Highsmith, who has five and a half. Uh, PFF, he's tied for first because PFF doesn't count half sacks. I don't know if you knew that, but they don't. So PFF, I'm going to go with that number because it makes him look better. He's tied for first in the NFL with five sacks. Uh, he is having just an absurd year. Yeah, he is. And he kind of, when you look at him on film or when you even watch him in the games, He's just very, he just stands out. He's, he's so, like, you just know he's on the field. You know what he's doing because he's so disruptive. He reminds you of, like, a Nick Bosa, a, a TJ Watt, a JJ Watt. Like, those guys that just, you know they're always on the field at all times. You know that they're going to bring the pressure. And you don't even have to look for them to see their impact on the game because they just are constantly in the quarterback's face. They're constantly the quickest guy. Like, he's the quickest player in that, you know, in, on the line of scrimmage. He's consistently the fastest guy. So it's very easy to see what he's doing at all times. Very Aaron Donald-like in that way, that he's just so explosive and quick that everything he does... And he can also run through you. He runs right through you, and he's shoving guys. He's got, like you said, he's got that combination of power and speed that like literally no other player in the league has. So he's just kind of growing into his own each and every year, and he's getting better every year somehow. And it's just really exciting because he is having a defensive player of the year type year, at least a start to the year so far. And I think the more that we notice that, the more wide, widely recognized that is, I think it's going to push him even more to keep capitalizing on his success. And the kind of worker he is, uh, I think that's just going to take him leaps and bounds ahead of where we even think he can be. So I'm really excited for the rest of the season for him and, and how he's going to lead this defense. This is the player that they drafted in 2019. He's made he's made so much progress in the past four seasons that it's he looks like a different player. He I said it on Instagram today. He just like I don't know what it is. I mean, he's been productive his entire career, almost pretty much his entire career. He's been pretty productive statistically, but I don't know what it is. He just looks so much better this year, man. He looks like he looks like a defensive player of the year type of guy, which would have been a great bet this summer, but now he's second in odds right behind Micah Parsons. So uh, I wish I made that bet in the summer, but uh, now he is like, yeah, everyone's kind of noticing that he's having this type of year. He used to be a little bit underrated, but now he's getting a lot more respect and it's because he just looks so much better. And if you let him run around you, he's going to run around you. And if you try to get in his way, he's going to run through you. 
and he is he's having maybe the best season for an edge rusher that I've seen in a Packers uniform since Clay Matthews in his prime. Yeah, and that's so exciting because we need a guy like that who's going to be able to get to the quarterback. It really looks like he can get to the quarterback at will, kind of like Clay did. You just knew he was going to get there when you needed him to. That's what it feels like, and he's, oh, oh my goodness, on these third downs, it's always Rashawn Gary making these sacks like to stop the drive and stop the bleeding. That when you just like when it's at midfield and it's third down and it could be a situation where they might go for it if they get close and Rashawn just shuts it down and man he is fun to watch great to have and he's going to be crucial to everything they do trying to win a Super Bowl this year so just a just as important if not the most important piece on this defense this year for this Green Bay Packers team that was the one thing looking at the defense on paper coming into this season uh, it was this defense being really good was kind of reliant on Rashawn Gary having this type of season because we love Preston Smith but no one really expects him to put together like a the best edge rusher in the league type of year. Um, Rashawn Gary, we we needed him to play like this and he's the reason that the defense has had a lot of the success that they've had so far this season. All right, I think we're ready to wrap it up here. I think we got to everything just about. Um, we're going to be back later this week, for real this time. Last week we had uh, some more scheduling conflicts, let's just call it. So we couldn't get the preview out last week. Uh, we had some people messaging us asking about that. Sorry about that. This week it will be out to preview the Packers Week 5 matchup with the New York Giants in London. That's going to be fun. First time the Packers have ever played in London. So that'll be fun, uh, waking up bright and early on a Sunday morning to watch the Packers can't wait for that one but yeah we're going to be back later this week with a preview of that game but for this one i think we got to everything great win overtime closer than it needed to be but a win is a win and the packers are three and one so i'm feeling pretty good this stage of the season uh thanks for joining me bron thank you all for listening um yeah share it with your friends and family let us know if you like the podcast rate it five stars on spotify itunes wherever you get your podcast and uh yeah we'll be back go pack go another great win thanks for listening everybody as always Go Pack Go!